the law came through Moses, but it was through Jesus that truth and grace came. And Jesus came to put a face to the message of grace. Reading for the word of God. The Bible said that in the space of two years, all of Asia had the word of God. And what is the centrality of the word of God? It is what? The logic of Jesus. Go in front and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So the more we magnify Jesus as being Lord over all, the more His grace is made available. Join us now. Blessed as you listen. Strengthened and encouraged. For a teaching of the word and by the power of the spirit. In Jesus' name, pray. Give the Lord a big hand. So take this. Now, Romans chapter number eight. Let's get into the word this morning. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Do you believe that? Is there anyone here who doesn't have a weakness? So one of the principal ministries of the Holy Spirit is to help us in our weaknesses. And the first weakness identifiable there is that we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. So if you want to see weakness, the first indicator of weakness in the believer is prayerlessness. The moment you cannot pray, you are weak. And I don't know how many of us on the sound of my voice here have what is called a systematic or an effective prayer life. What do I mean by that? Number one, you have the time when you pray. Because if you don't have the time when you pray, you won't pray. Timing is very, very important in the school of prayer. So once you commit yourself to a time and you tell yourself, 5 a.m. every morning I'm going to be praying. That's why you don't see Jesus praying anyhow. He had a method, you know, to, to his prayer life. The Bible says, a great while before day. Have you read that before in your scripture? I'm saying he rose a great while before day. That's talking about 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. kind of a thing. And, and that is a good time because Jesus is a perfect example. Believers ought to pray. Let's even say by the reason of the socioeconomic realities of Lagos, we don't get home until 11. You can set your alarm for four, even if it is 30 minutes. Have a time when you pray. Number two, have a place where you pray. Jesus did not pray everywhere. Those who, those who don't have time, those who don't have place, end up not praying. And when I say a place, it can even be a corner in your room. Just one corner in the room, you go there. Every time you want to pray, you go to that place. Look, a time will come, even if you don't feel like praying, once you get to that place, you start praying. Because you have made that place an altar. It can be a seat in your room. Every time you want to pray, sit on that seat. You realize that the day you don't feel like praying, you just sit there. Because that place has become a prayer altar. The, the spirit of grace and supplication will come on you. So I have a place where you pray. I remember when I was in UI, it's either I was at the chapel or at the alumni center. Those were the two places I used to pray. You would never see me pray in my room. I, I, my roommate, I see them wake up in the morning and they pray in the room. And you see them is gone. Then number three, have people you pray with. A lot of believers in a lifetime don't have prayer partners. Well, I mean, look, these are the lost art of Christianity. They went back to their company. What company? A praying company. I said they lifted up their voice. So you want to tell me now that Brother Emmanuel is zero now, doesn't have people if there are issues in his life in church that can say, Brethren, 4 p.m. in my house, let's meet. All we do is ask now among you. So ask your neighbor, who is your prayer partner?
That's what a believer. Prayer is not just about asking God to meet your needs. Now listen. Because you see, this is, this is the deeper issue of prayer most people don't know. Apart from fellowshipping with God, prayer is, you see, the environment spiritually is tense. There are spiritual wickedness in high places. Prayer is the believer saying in the midst of this confusion, the midst of these tense spiritual realities, I want to do my own thing and I want to do the will of God. You don't understand. Prayer is like there is traffic, but you are creating your own pathway so that the traffic and the tense environment is not affecting how you get to your own destination. So prayer is the believer purging the environment around his own life so that he can do the will of God. Because the will of God is not done automatically. So that's why when Jesus wanted to establish the will of God, he said, in this manner, pray. That our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, if believers don't pray, you will not create that pathway for the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in heavenly places, many of us are billionaires, but people are broke on the earth. Because there is no conduit for the will of God in heaven to be done on the earth. The earth is tense. It is, it is, it is decongested. So the believer prays to create a breath of fresh air. Because his messes are new every morning. But if you don't pray, the atmosphere is still. And if the enemy wants to attack you, the first thing he does is to attack your prayer life. Look, if Jesus, the word himself, just like I told Awabe, whenever Jesus is talking or whenever I was doing anything, the rest of us here, we are trying to preach the word. Jesus is the word himself. <laughs> so he's not trying to preach anything. What the rest of us have been preaching for 2,000 years came and he was praying. If ever there is anyone or any entity that should not pray, it should have been Jesus. Because that's the word himself. So if the word prays, and those who receive the word don't pray, then there's a disconnect somewhere. The word came here and became flesh. And he knew for as long as you are here. In fact, he said a parable. He said, men ought to pray always. Because when he became a man, he saw the reality. He said, if you are a man, you ought to pray always and not to think. So have a time when you pray. Don't just pray, I pray anyhow. <laughs> Don't pray anyhow. Have a time when you pray. And I encourage you to pray at least two times every day. Pray in the morning, pray in the evening. And we're not talking about bedtime praying here. Just say, Lord, by your first soon, all those ones are just religious prayers. I mean, it's... It's, it's not as, but it should. I mean, it should be more. It's, it's a more serious, there, there should be a more serious approach and a concerted effort on the part of the believer, other than just saying, "Keep us, feed us, for we have no help but thee." Those are low-grade kind of praying. We're talking about weapon-grade. That your prayer is now a tool in the hand of God to do His will on the earth. Write it down. The prayer of the believer. Is a tool in the hand of God to do his will on the earth. Look at Revelation 5. Let me show you something before we come back here. Now this is important. Let's begin to read from verse number 6. I look behold in the midst of the throne and the following creatures and the midst of the others to the Lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, we are seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. What is the incense? Which are the prayers of the saints. So if ever there is an atmosphere where what is sealed will be broken, the saints must pray. You don't understand. This is even in heaven. 
that chapter opened by saying, in the hand of an angel, book seal, receiver seal, proclaiming, who is worthy to do what? To open the book and to break the seals. And by the time the book was now about to be opened and to, the seals were about to be broken, the Bible says there were incense arising in the atmosphere. So the atmosphere that breaks seals and opens anything that is closed is an atmosphere where saints are praying. So these guys were not praying for their needs to be met. They were praying for the purpose of God. Every closed book to be opened. Everything that is sealed to be broken. And that is why it is important for you to spend more time. When I say time, an average of at least one hour per session. Praying in tongues. Because it's the only way you are praying in tongues for the most part, you are not praying selfish prayers. It's, when you are praying to them, for the most part, you are not praying a bad great kind of prayer point. You know why you call it a bad great kind of prayer point? The kind of prayer point that flesh and blood has revealed to you. Where, where the next person is your enemy. When you are praying in tongues, you are praying the will of God. You see, you can pray in tongues for one hour and it will amaze you within the one hour you do not even pray about yourself. You are praying about another person or a situation happening in Afghanistan. So, in Afghanistan, somebody is crying. Who is going to break this seal? So, as we are praying, incense is coming up. Prayers of the saints. Prayers of the saints. Do you, do you understand? Prayers of the saints. So, you see, how if... Now, let's read Romans 8. How many of you know? Now listen to this. This is important. According to Romans 8, we're going to get there in a... In a, in a the ministry of Jesus now on the, on, in heaven as a city and reign of God is to intercede. Every other ministry Christ was doing here on earth, he doesn't do again. But the one ministry that he's still doing is the ministry of intercession. Now let's, let's read on that Romans 8. Important. Let's go back there. Are you getting something this morning? So you have a time when you pray. You have a space when you pray, a place. And you have somebody to pray with. The good thing about having a prayer partner is that even when you don't feel like praying, you want to save face. Let's say you are committed to you and I are praying every Saturday at 5 o'clock. Even when I don't feel like prayer, I don't want you to think I'm not spiritual. So I'll come there. I can chew my mouth for five minutes, but after some time, I pick up. Two will always be better than one. So instead of having asthma and social friends, let's also have spirit friends. People that you can tell what is brought in your heart. See, amazingly, if you don't have this kind of people in your life, you are not living life to the fullest. There must be somebody you must be able to open your life to. And, and they are not going to use it against you. You pray. And the kind of relationship between Elizabeth and Mary. But unfortunately, we don't have those kind of relationships again. People just barbite one another and they talk down one another. And that's why a lot of people are afraid. They don't want to open up what is going on in the inner recess of their being because they are afraid if I tell them now, by the time we fall out, they're going to use it against me. So the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. And the first weakness is that we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. So prayer point is a problem. But the Spirit himself, to bring the gap, look at that, makes intercession for us. The Spirit himself, that is, whether you know it or not, you have a prayer partner. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us. The Spirit himself, capital S. Every time you see capital S in scripture, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us. But look at the sad thing. If the Holy Spirit is interceding for you, and you are not interceding, the equation is not balanced.
with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when you woke up this morning, now the Holy Spirit is already praying some things into your life, interceding that all that Lola might connect with the purpose of God for today. So that today will not just be a wasted day. The Holy Spirit is making intercession for you. You see, the, the beautiful thing is this. Once you begin to pray in tongues, you are joining the intercessory school of the Holy Spirit. So that means you and the Holy Spirit, you are now praying together. Because you are now praying by the Spirit. And look at what he said. Once this is happening, there is a knowing. Verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, also predestined to conform to the image of his son, that might be the firstborn among many brethren. And look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but deliver him for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us anything? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Is God who justified? Who is he who condemns? Is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen? Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes? Did you see that language? Who also? So whether you know it or not, there are two members of the Godhead interceding for you. The Holy Spirit is making intercession for you. And Christ is at the right hand of the Father and also is making intercession for you. Have you heard that you about phrase before? That we are praying on behalf of somebody is eating lunch. Have you heard that before? Your Bible will say, Enter and Toriak Bawai. Don't shake it. They are fasting on your behalf. Where you are, your Panayam is like this. If the Lord is interceding for you, if the Holy Spirit is interceding for you, don't you think you need intercession? No, think about it. Why would the Lord, after he finished the work here, still go to heaven and all he's doing is kneeling down somewhere and saying, oh, that brother Emmanuel will be conformed to the image of Christ. Will be conformed to the image of Christ. And eh, eh, not this brother Emmanuel. Here is a brother Emmanuel somewhere. Just running his own operating system doesn't send God. So the only way you balance this equation because a threefold cord is not easily broken. So you have the Father, I mean you have the Lord interceding for you. You have the Holy Spirit making intercession for you. So who is missing the equation? You. It now becomes a threefold cord that cannot be easily broken. And that's why I announced a workforce meeting the next six months once we move to a new facility. We're going to be praying. We're going to be praying. Prayer is not just about meeting your needs. It is to establish the purpose of God on the earth. Without which you can't. That's the truth. You can't. So Jesus is always making intercession for us, isn't it? Luke 22. Because, you know, verse 31. And the Lord said, now look at this, Simon, Simon, look at me. How many of us know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? Now, we just read now that he makes intercession for us, isn't it? So I want to show us now what he says when he's interceding for us. That is very important. What does he say? Because in most cases, we just read that Jesus prayed. But we are not sure of how, what he prayed. How, how does he raise his prayer point? You realize that it's not very much unlike what people do nowadays. What does he say? Now, this is a scenario. He looked at Peter and he said, like I said, I went back and called his name two times. That's a serious matter. He said, Simon, Simon. And the Lord said, indeed. That's a very strong word. 
Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But look at the next verse. But you see, the but the strategic intervention in stopping the intentions of the enemy over the life of a believer is a but. But that but is what? I pray for you. So look at the implication. This is, this is what I did not say and what I'm about to say now. The implication here is that if the Lord did not pray for Peter, the intention of the enemy will come to pass. And look at the deeper truth. Even the Lord himself, the Lord himself could not stop the enemy until he prayed. These are the parts I didn't share there. He, had to tell, he didn't say I'm the Lord. I've, I've told, I've, I told Satan to get lost. No. Immediately, that intel came to the headquarters. I said that was planning something for Peter. The Lord started praying. Even before I made the announcement to Peter, he had prayed. He said, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. That means, Peter, look, what, 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 what you have there, and, and look at this, this is beautiful. If it's interceding for you, it is also important for you to know what is interceding for you for. Because, it, I mean, this is a classic example, and this is, this is part of what I didn't say there. That he told Peter the content of his intercession. He allowed Peter to know why he was interceding for him. So I asked you this morning, why is the Lord interceding for you? Why? You must know. And that's why you have the Holy Spirit. That means at some point, every believer must also pick that I'm in a danger zone. Now Satan wants to have me. And that's why the Lord announced it to Peter. He didn't just do it in the secret and did not. He allowed Peter to know that this is what is going on. Say, but I pray for you. I pray for you. I pray for you. Have you come into a scenario that you are at peace because you have prayed? So I tell you, pray so that you will not pray. Have you come into a situation however difficult that situation is? You are just smiling. Because you have... So the Lord is telling Peter here that I have settled certain things in the realm of the Spirit. I have prayed. I have prayed. I have prayed for you. And what was the prayer point? He said, Peter, I don't pray for people. Now listen to that. That the enemy should not attack them. I have never, you will never see the Lord one time praying against the intention of the enemy. Because it's not his mate. Imagine Satan wanting to do something and the Lord is losing his sleep and is praying against it. He doesn't do that. Did you see me saying, Peter, every sifting technique of the enemy I frustrate, I bind. In fact, I, I, I banish wheat from the environment. He wants to sift you as wheat. That's how people pray. Every intention of the enemy will throw you to Sahara Desert. It's not your fault. Because you don't, you don't travel to Dubai. Because you're going to fly over the Sahara Desert. We throw you into the Atlantic Ocean. It's not your fault. Most of people praying those prayers have never been to the U.S. So they're going to fly over the Atlantic Ocean. So why do you throw things there? <laughs> Waiting for who? You see the Lord doing all that. He didn't say one small demon. He said Satan. <laughs> How many of you, if the Lord said it's Satan, it's Satan. Yeah. He said Satan asked that he may mess you up. He said, but I prayed for you. And what did he pray for Peter? That your faith. The Lord did not say that the enemy should not strike. Mm-mm. That means he was telling Peter that intercession is the process by which you are strengthened in what is weak in you. And it is that weak entity in you that is allowing the enemy to bear his fangs. That 
That means in this season, Peter's faith was already failing. Some other example of your love for your wife is failing. Some other example of your business is failing. But hear the word of the Lord. Intercession, that is how you bring it up again. That's how you bring it up again. There's no other way. That's how you bring it up again. That's how you strengthen the stakes again. That's how you fortify what is about to give way. Your faith will not fail. That means, look at me. The greatest asset every believer has got in the scheme of things is their faith. And that's why when the Lord wanted to intercede, it was the faith of Peter. It wasn't the intention of the enemy was praying against. It was the faith of Peter he was praying for. So, in most cases, the Lord does not pray against. The Lord prays for. He didn't say, I prayed against the enemy. He said, no, it's not my problem. When your faith is straight, that means he was telling Peter that the what stops the enemy in his track is the faith of the believer. And this morning, look at all the different aspects of your life. Which part of your life is your faith failing? Identify every failure of faith around you. If Jesus is the same yesterday, it's the same today. That means this morning, he's looking at you, he's calling your name, Tunde, Tunde. Yeah, I can see what the enemy is about to do, but I pray for you. And I'm saying to you this morning, your faith. And look at what he told Peter. He said, when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So the Lord said, if your faith does not fail, there will be a part two of the story. The story cannot end everything. You will return. Did you say, did not say, if you return back to me? He said, when? You see, when your faith doesn't fail on the account of intercession, it's a question of when. It's not an if. Because you will return. Is somebody there? You will return. Look, it does not matter how broke, busted, and disgusted you are now. Start praying. It, see, what the Lord will be telling you when you are converted. So your story will now begin to strike. Look, if anywhere my wife knows, I share my story. People fix their wedding dates. When he came to our house, when we first got married, for the first one and a half years, we didn't have TV. We didn't have radio. We didn't have anything. We didn't have SETI. We only had a gas cooker in the kitchen. And we had a um, um, mattress in the room. That was all we had. Married couple. We don't even have curtains. We use newspaper to cover the window. The first guest who came to visit with us slept on the floor. As a bare floor. We only put bed, bed sheets. There was no mattress. We tried to describe him from coming. He insisted he was going to come. I didn't have anybody in Abuja who come, who come. By the following morning, he remembered he had an uncle. <laughs> I'm telling you, to, you say, oh, I have one uncle somewhere. Because <laughs> the guy slept on the floor. So a friend of ours came to Abuja to come and get a job. That's Shagun Koka. And he came to our house and he saw us happy. No TV, no nothing. And he looked at himself. So I'm even better off. And I'm, my wife and I are still saying we need to get this, we need to get that. So it was as well, people can marry without TV, without any of this thing. That was the day he fixed his wedding date. When you are converted, you will strengthen your brethren. When other ministers listen to me, they are encouraged. Because we started ministry with not one naira. By the time my wife and I started, we did not even have a dime. Both of us, fresh from NYC, went to Abuja, not knowing anybody, when they had to start ministry. The only thing we had was vision. Actually, days without food. I'm not talking about one day. At times, three days going, not a single grain of food in the house. We just put sugar in water and stir it and drink it and give thanks. Days. Eventually, little money, I escorted my wife to one local market, their car room. That's where we were staying in Abuja. But there was also a blessing. There was a sugarcane plantation next to our house. 
So the man became my friend automatically. So every time there was no food, I go to the man and he gives me sugar cane. I bring him back home. And that, that's our lunch, that's our dinner, that's our breakfast. So every time I share that, young men who are still afraid of going to ministry quit their job and go immediately. Because they are better. They still have some little money. Not a dime. No support from anybody. I remember the first time my father visited with his friends. He came to our house. I tried to discourage him from coming. He was like, I have a son in Abuja. I won't tell his friend. Hey, don't come. He said, okay, we'll come. They entered our house. And the friend said, where is the sitting room? <laughs> <laughs> they were in the sitting room. But he didn't see it. Well, he didn't see any furniture. He was like, oh. And I said, this is the sitting room. So I said, oh, I thought it was a lobby. Now the sitting room is still somewhere inside there. What? I mean, sitting room, nothing. You say, oh, you hear quite the others are. <laughs> so why would the man not say, where's your sitting room? I remember we had one of God's visitors. My wife and I had to take things on credit from our malam to be able to entertain the visitor. The malam, one malam around the house sells all this, you know, on credit. Borrow us sardine, borrow us bread, borrow us, you know. And in the midst of that, we had to start church. We did not have one naira. The first venue we got was supposed to be 10,000 naira per service. We started a meeting. The man said, How about the payment? He said, We'll pay you after. But having service that day, the whole total offering maybe was about 200 naira. Emmanuel Tava and his friend took the entire offering because they came from the University of Abuja and Guadalajara. And they said they didn't have transport money. Can you imagine? <laughs> so we had to give the entire offering to them. And we now sat there. The man was waiting downstairs. <laughs> the student passed. Of course, he saw them. But at least he knew me. He said, that man is still there. <laughs> waiting for what will happen. And as we were just about to close the service, all that was going on, one of our friends walked in. He said, oh, I wanted to make this meeting. But his flight was delayed. He wanted to fly into Abuja to surprise us. He wanted to be in a meeting, but his flight was delayed. So he came at the end. I just said, oh, by the way, the Lord put it in my heart to sow a seed into this new world. And as I just got 40,000 there. So not only did we pay for that, day, we paid for the next three meetings. We got home, and our neighbor just walked in and said, oh, you know, he had come before he got to know where pastors were, was excited. And it was the one that gave us the refrigerator. He just came to us and said, You guys don't have a fridge. I said, We don't even have anything. He said, Okay, I'll give you a refrigerator. So the next day he brought a refrigerator for us. Out of pity. And he came back in the evening and said, Oh, that your new church venue, how much are you guys paying for service? He said, We said ten thousand. He said, Oh, the Lord has put in mind to pay for one month. That's how we're able to pay for two months. And that's how started. <laughs> Would you believe we passed through all that? I mean, there will be no light at night like this, no generator. All the other neighbors will be running there. We, at least, because it was Abuja, it was very hot. Between night and morning, my wife and I will go to the bedroom to shower about 15 times because of the heat. Oh, you are laughing. Serious matter. Or oh, kept on praying. Kept on praying. Because in the midst of all that, your faith must not fail. Once it fails, you lose the essence of that season. So it's not the attack of the enemy, it's faith failure. That's what Jesus is saying there. He said, What I pray about is not to sanction the attack of the enemy. It doesn't exist anywhere. Your faith is strong enough to bounce it back. I don't want to focus on the attack of the enemy because it will always come. I'll focus on your faith. So the focus of the Lord is on your faith. See, when, when it's tough, remember when you are converted. You know, I like the old, new, old King James Version. That one said when you are converted. But the King James Version said when you returned to me, because you are coming back. Strengthen your brethren. So how did he strengthen the brethren? First Peter and Second Peter. In First Peter, he said, 
the genuineness of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes. It will be tested with fire. And it must be found to the praise and to the glory of God. In Second Peter, I said to those who have obtained like precious faith. So one of the things Peter is telling us is that faith is precious. It's a mighty currency in the realm of the spirit. And it must never fail. Remember that song we used to sing? And that's what is in my spirit. I'll be standing in a gap for you. Just remember someone somewhere is praying for you, calling out your name, praying for your strength. I'll be standing in the gap for you. How many of us know the song? You see, all of you are new generation Christians. <laughs> you mean you don't know that song? So the Lord is saying, I'll be standing in the gap for you. Because that's what intercession is. Remember someone somewhere is praying for you. Calling out your name. Praying for your strength. I'll be standing in the gap for you. So where there is no strength or faith, there are gaps. And it is only when there are gaps we give place to the enemy. The enemy does not come in where there are no gaps. Gaps. So intercession is what? Standing in a gap. So automatically blocking the gap. Making sure the gaps. So the Lord is now telling us what the gap is. The gap is faith failure. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm praying for you too. That your faith should not fail. Let's quickly look at the second scenario and we'll close. I'm noticing that I close very early nowadays. You should thank God for me now. Huh? Thank God for me now. Second Corinthians 12. But in the new work, it's not going to be like that. So let's get ready. Because we are preparing. And I'm still going to site. Usually every day I'm there from morning till evening. Every day that I go there. Now look at this. Second Corinthians 12. Praise God forevermore. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. So if the Lord has put it in your heart to buy a generator, you can call me. I will ask you to come. Because we need more than one. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. What is the purpose? Revelations will make you to break barriers. So when the enemy saw that Paul was breaking too many barriers, look at how he put it, exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. So Ephesians, Colossians, all those books Paul wrote became a threat to the enemy. He said, this guy had too many revelations. What happened? A turn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. So what did the enemy do? He sent a message to Satan, to Paul. We're talking about the accident you had. That's a messenger of Satan. That means the enemy had seen some of the things that will happen this year and he sent you a text message. How do you reply? Because you have to reply. So the enemy sent messages to people where they don't reply. So he will keep on sending more. Oh, you have to reply. How did Paul reply? Verse 8. Paul replied, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. So the reply is always in the place of prayer. Somebody is discouraging you. I prayed the first time, I prayed the second time. Paul prayed three times and nothing happened. It's also a lesson for us. How did the Lord answer that prayer? And the Lord said, every messenger of Satan is destroyed. Was that what the Lord said? Or the Lord said, I, I, I yank off the network of Satan. 
So I won't be able to communicate with you again. Let there be SMS failure. Let there be a message failure. Let there be all the message sent out of the enemy. I pull you down. See, that's how we just pray. What did the Lord say? The Lord said, Paul, my grace. Why are we looking at these things? He's making intercession for you. I want you to know when he's praying for you, what he's praying about. Because what he's praying about is not what people want him to pray about. So what are the two main issues of concern to the Lord in intercession? Faith and grace. We got someone, disciple now, Peter. He established faith. Now, this is another apostle again. Now, Paul, he said, let me use your own story to establish the second most important entity, grace. And that's why we call this stuff, faith, grace, pathway. That's what it is. Say, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. How? When you pray. That is why in Isaiah, prayer is called the spirit. God said, I'm going to pop on the house of Israel, the spirit of prayer. I'm the spirit of supplication and grace. They go hand in hand. You want to access grace? So imagine these things. It was happening, and Paul never prayed. How will this answer come? My grace is sufficient for you. He didn't say, Paul, your grace. That means every time the believer is praying, you are assessing the faith grace pathway. You are assessing the faith grace pathway until such a time that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is now working in your life. My grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. How many of us are weak financially this morning? You are weak morally, socially. The Lord is saying we can just pray. That is how you change the equation. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That means weakness is a perfect scenario for the anointing to manifest. While doing the life and ministry of Jesus, you know, I studied every miracle that Jesus did, and I came to a conclusion that there are certain things in the life and ministry of Jesus that are triggers for the miraculous. It was as if whenever Jesus sees any of those things, a miracle must happen. One of those things is compassion. Whenever you see and the Lord that compassion, compassion is 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 the first fruit of a of a miracle. You will never see the Lord having compassion, and the next thing he doesn't do a miracle. Look at the first miracle at Cana of Galilee. What was the trigger? Faith. Draw the water. I mean, fill the pot with water. <laughs> Got that water. I mean, because the pot was what they were using for purification. It didn't make sense. And somebody drew it out. Somebody had the audacity to trust the Lord to draw it out and to go and give it to the governor. So if the waters, if the, if the water, beg your pardon, remained in the pot, Nothing will happen. Because some people have fetched the water, but they have not drawn it out. And it's, it's, it's not looking as if there's no grace. But you have not... See, what grace does is to allow you to complete the chain. It's to complete the value chain. It's to complete the pathway. So there is grace. So that means you are not doing it in your own power. So that is a struggle for somebody this morning because in my voice, you must hear the voice of God. You have fed the water, but you need to draw it out. Look at another trigger. They, 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 they were there all night fishing. They did not catch anything. You see, failure is always a trigger to the manifestation of the power of Christ. So he looked for Peter. He said, that is a fisherman who toyed all night. He said, can I use a boat? Look at the logic there and the wisdom there. By Manuel. By Joseph. Locknet. Anyone. If you have done a business before, if you have done anything and it has failed, when you wake up in the morning, don't be angry and be frustrated. Give your boat to the Lord. Um, somebody did not hear what I said. What did I say? Let me speak it in English. <laughs> Let's say you did a business and it failed woefully 
And except you have not done business before, I'm, I'm a businessman, businesses fail. What is the Lord asking you to do? Now, this is a rema word for somebody. Take everything. The chair you are using in that failed business, give it out to the Lord. The table you are using in that failed business, give it out to the Lord. Maybe you bought a car for that business. Don't, don't convert it into a personal car. Give it out. Maybe you, what does the people do for business? It's failed. You see, every time there's a failure, wake up in the morning and realize that there's a lord by the shelf saying, can I use your boat? That's what people don't see. Put that failure in his hand. That is a trigger for the miraculous. So he used the boat he preached. He preached from Peter's boat. The, the boat of a failed business. And when he finished preaching, he said, you know what? Launch into the deep and let down your nets for a drop, for a catch. Peter did not believe it. So instead of letting down the nets, he let down one net. <laughs> what they caught by the word of the Lord, after they turned over their failure stream, will be something that they couldn't have caught in a lifetime. Because they had to beckon onto their partner. That day, competition died. Because it's a question of you can't handle it alone. It's just like you get a contract now. May, let, let's say somebody that is doing something. What business are people doing there? You get a contract now that, let's say, federal government, let's say you're a printer, federal government just calls you and say, print one billion books for all the primary schools in Nigeria. You will have to, <laughs> you can't do it alone. And they said, we need it within two weeks. You have to beckon on your partners and say, okay, you, 200,000. Oh, yeah, you, you, you. That's what happened for Peter. Learn every failure. Don't forget what we said. When you are converted, if your faith does not fail, that means if you attempt something and it fails, don't allow your faith to fail. And how your faith will not fail is remember Peter and it over to the Lord and say, use it. Bring the car to church. Bring the chair. We, we are setting up new offices. Take the chairs there. Take you know all those things there and say, Lord, use it. And after, after he's now using it, wait for an instruction. Oh my. An instruction will come. And all those things that you think are losses will come back in manifold dimensions that will blow your mind. Have I helped somebody this morning? Because, that's, because if you come to service like this and you don't go with a Rima word, you just came to do a religious thing. You have to get a Rima word. You have to know this is the Lord talking to me. That is how to turn failure into fortune. Is there? Trigger for the miraculous. By the time we are doing this series, we are going to do this series in neutral. Triggers for, for the miraculous. You need to know what the Lord sees and is compelled to say, no, a miracle must happen here to compensate for these losses. Because this guy has handed over the object of a failure to the preaching of the gospel. That means, instead of just handling that, say, this business has failed completely. That is how to make sure a reward will come into that business. These things are written as examples unto us. So if the business you have tried, just hand it over to the Lord. You know, from the story of Peter, you already know. When he finishes preaching, something will happen. And what will happen is not something by staying in business you can even achieve in one year. Am I not somebody? Let's close. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. How do you sustain the grace pathway? Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities. Boasting there is worship. Boasting there is praise. Because from the mouth of babes and suckling as of this strength has perfected praise. Boasting there is that in the midst of a difficult situation, you are declaring the word of the Lord. You are declaring that God is faithful. You are boasting. He didn't say boast about the situation. He said boast in it. 
That means don't allow the failure to overwhelm you to such an extent that you can't wake up in the morning and lift up the head. Be boastful about the goodness of your God, about the grace of your God. Be boastful. See, that was what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were going everywhere declaring the wonderful works of God. And Paul said, when I do that, the power of Christ will rest on me. So this morning, for the sake of faith and grace, get into intercession. And don't forget there is a God who is interceding for you. And as a prophet over the house this morning, if you are expressing any failure, turn it to the Lord. And let's see what the Lord will do. Can you just bow down your head this morning? And let's talk to the Lord. If the word is for you, take it to line and sink and say, Lord, yes. You just spoke to me this morning. I turn it over to you. There's faith. Pray for faith. It will not fail. Are you there? It's beginning to fail. Pray in tongues this morning. The Bible says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Maybe there's a situation that has overwhelmed you. That's why you are in church this morning. That's what this altar is for. To strengthen, to strengthen, to strengthen, to be invigorated with dunamis in the inner man. No faith failure. No faith failure. No faith failure. My faith will not fail. In the name of Jesus. My faith will not fail. My faith will not fail. For my faith will not fail. Yes, I want us to pray the more. There is a spirit of supplication upon the house. This morning. No faith failure. In the name of Jesus. And also his grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient for me. I'm going back from church with the fullness of his grace. 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 That in this situation, I declare by the word of the Lord this morning that His grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient for me. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray.